the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. And it's time now for the Culture Club. And we're delighted tonight to be joined by one of Ireland's leading chefs, who also is very well known from TV. Indeed, his Irish Seafood Trails is on again this evening at half past eight on RT1. And as it turns out that if he's a guy who goes to a party, you won't find him in the kitchen. You're more likely to find him behind the decks. Nevin Maguire, thank you very much for joining us here on the Culture Club on The Last Word. Oh, good evening, Matt. And Matt, I mean, who writes these scripts? I love them. <laughs> <They're brilliant. laughs> Tell us this. I know you were on with Ian Dempsey recently about this. <laughs> but for those who didn't hear you with Ian, and I think even those who did, will want to hear it again. Tell us all about this thing about DJ Nevin Maguire. Oh, my God. OK, so when I was training kind of to be a chef in Black Lion, um, I, I always loved dance music and I really had a passion for it. For my 21st birthday, my parents got me a pair of um, Technics decks and a mid-fade mixer. So I used to go into a local nightclub in Inniskillen on a Wednesday and Saturday night and the restaurant was quiet then. So I'd go in and play the last hour, all dance music. I used to go up to Dublin every two weeks to Temple Bar, Tabby Dis and collect all dance vinyl. It could have been techno, it could have been progressive house, you name it. A really, really interesting mix. Well, to me, I was very, very passionate about it. I never did it to get paid or anything like that. I got in free tonight club, so that was brilliant. But it was just a bit of fun. And, you know, I love the music. And then a Christmas. So I had the decks that were up in my mother's attic. And then Mel and my wife, she got them revamped. So she sent them into a local uh, shop in Inniskill and just up the road and got them revamped and got me a new mixer. And all my records, I have about 2,000 dance records, Matt. Um, they were in the attic and I took them down and... <laughs> I and what condition like, are they in? Were they all still workable? They had the yeah. dry and everything? No, seriously, yeah. They were, honestly, they were really now. I had to sort them out because there's an awful lot of the records there that I say, how could I have bought that? It could be drum and bass or it could be something. And people, I suppose I never spoke about this because for 25 years, like, I put this kind of part of my life away. Like, I used to love the music. I still love, sorry, I always loved the music. You know, even when I'd be driving, going to Dublin or wherever, I'd listen to dance music or listen to your show about it or whatever. You know, I was definitely very, very very passionate about the music and then when Amela got the decks fixed and now I have time because like you know it was a time there I was so busy I didn't have time to mix or anything like that but now I have plenty of time to go through them so I'm like a child in a sweet shop and it's just brings back a lot of good memories the very first record I bought was in Power um, Records and it was in it was in Temple Bar so it was Felix Don't Don't You Want My Love and that was the very first record I think it was about maybe six or seven quid so it was but it's all 12 inch vinyl um, I used to work in Germany and also in Berlin Berlin and in Luxembourg and I used to collect final and spent honestly I spent all my money and I used to go go up every two weeks to Dublin on the bus left from Inniskill and couldn't drive at this stage of about 18 or 19 and then I used to go and uh, get a load of records and then come back and just make tapes and sell them and just yeah I was very passionate about it so I have a very varied um taste in music to be honest with you but it's just been so much fun to be honest with you and for me it brings back great memories of my dad when he was alive god rest him he used to bring me in you know after work at about a half 11 go in play get a taxi home and just there were good times there were just such 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 fun times for me and myself in between used to go in and yeah yes yeah, so i love the music <laughs> well actually we actually have felix a little bit of music <laughs> don't you want me
Ah, Nevin Maguire, that's great stuff. I bet you that got them dancing in Enniskillen, did it? Ah, uh, dude, it was it was it was a bit of fun, and you know, like I suppose my my music taste was very varied, but that was the very first record I bought, and brings great records. There's no scratches on, on that record, I can tell you, Matt. Fair play to your team, whoever got that one uh, to play. But yeah, it's just it just I I, I kind of get lost in the music sometimes, and especially now at the minute, like you know you know the restaurant's closed of course you know so you need you know something doing with recipes or videos and that but the music i love it and and i recently got it's called an irig so it's something that you can connect onto your phone you probably know all about this but it's something no, new I for don't. me and you can so i've kind of downloaded a couple of sets so i just recorded because i was never very good at the mixing but a lot of people asked me oh can we can we hear some of your music so i i just put them up on soundcloud just there last week and um it's a piece of um just equipment. It's amazing technology because you must remember these records are over 25 years old. Like I'm 46 when you think of it like and they're in they're in perfect nick. They're playing away. I got two new needles for the Technics like they, they are, you know, an amazing piece of kit now, first of all, to play any kind of vinyl on the Technics. And they're as good as the first day. I just had to get them just rewired and then a new mixer and we're good to go. But I don't think I'll be bo- I'll be booked for an electric picnic or anything like that. I'll stick to the cook. And people were kind of shocked and I got a bit of slagging. And, you know, Joe.ie put a very funny video up that, you know, that me cooking, doing a video on them going in, doing, doing the mixer, doing a rave and that. But it, it's something that I really do enjoy and I'm, I'm passionate about. And, you know, yeah, something. But do you have of, music on as you're cooking? Is that something that you like uh, yeah. having around you? Probably not during service because you kind of need to be focused, as you know, you know, it's all about the customer experience and just, you know, you can just, <laughs> you could lose concentration. But definitely when you're prepping, you know, uh, there's definitely a great buzz and, and like we'd have any, at any time, maybe 10 to 12 chefs. So now they can listen to my to, to my mixes. And I think they were a bit shocked because I sent them all some of the mixes on WhatsApp and they're, they're enjoying it and said, oh, will you be listening to this? This will be our playlist now in the kitchen, please God, when we get back uh, and, and reopened. But yeah, absolutely. Music kind of kind of gets you kind of motivated and you know kind of gets you a little bit kind of pumped up for service and that and I think you know um, the dance music isn't everyone's cup of tea but I'm actually really shocked at the reaction so many people have, have kind of like you know messaged me on Instagram or social media and um, one woman said to me Nevin stick to the cooking please you know that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> and yet when we asked you for favorite album and favorite band you haven't gone to dance music tell us about your choice yeah I suppose um, okay so couple of concerts I've been to and Rihanna I really like I, I really like her her music as a fantastic artist was at the Viva Stadium but you too I've been to twice um with my twin brother and then my wife Imelda and uh, I just think they're an incredible they're fantastic ambassadors first of all for Ireland but their music is 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 just very they're just how would you say they're just an all-round just great performers they're just uh, when you go to a show of theirs I was in the uh, three arena and them also in Crow Park and like so mo- most concerts well a lot of them I suppose are on them on the Tuesday usually I'd be working at the weekend so when I got the opportunity I said oh, I have to see them because I just think they're brilliant so I would kind of download it you know their best of album or something like that like the Joshua Three you know they're just they're just fantastic. I, I just think, you know, some, some of their songs, like, you know, still haven't found what I'm looking for, you know, Beautiful Day. I, I always think, because I'm passionate about soccer too, and Man United in the Premiership, and that used to be, I think, one of the songs to one of those, one, I think, the Premier shows, I think, on UTV, if I remember, a few years ago. So they're, they're, they're just a fabulous band, and I just think even, even you know, when you see them live, they're just magical. They put on some performance. They just, they bring the audience with, uh, with them, so they do, and I, I, I just think they're 
they're just they're just incredible and and they're Irish and they're just the number one band in the in the world. You have to you have to just take your hat off to them. They're just brilliant. Well, the track that we have from the Joshua Tree still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> Love it. to Nevin McGuire you didn't go for something like Pop one of the later albums which would have been much more dance focused the type of music that you were so into yeah I suppose you know I have a very mixed selection like you know I remember when I was very young I used to love Tina Turner my oldest brother Kenneth used to play drums in a band and uh, you know so I suppose we, we, we I'm from a big family of nine so we always had a great kind of selection and variety of music playing in our house and uh, yeah I mean for, for, for me I just think when, when, when you think of the great bands and like because I haven't been to many concerts I suppose I just connected with it it brings you I suppose you to a concert on an emotional trip really to be honest with you you know they never yeah. let you down they're just fantastic even the whole graphic display and they're they're just they keep reinventing themselves i think that's they're magical i have to just say just they're just fantastic so I, as i did say at the start of the show you know that i definitely had a very varied um, selection of music and i i do respect all kind of music and i suppose one thing that as you know now from talking to me that you know dance music have reinvented me passion for that you know mixing it up in that well, you mentioned Rihanna before we talked to you about her. Let's we couldn't get anything from Croke Park, but this is her live in London, Would We Found Love. Rihanna in action. What what do you look for in a gig, Nevin? Is it as much the music or is it just the company being with people, the opportunity to get out away from work? And I, as I ask these questions, I'm sort of thinking there's probably loads of people listening going how much they'd love the opportunity, the, the excitement of dressing up and going out with friends to oh, go to a gig. 
you're absolutely right. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of all the above because, like, my weekends is probably usually a Monday or Tuesday. I mean, you can kind of have to be selective if you are going to a gig like that. Like, I haven't been to many gigs. I'm not going to lie to you on your show. Like, um, I suppose with the Rihanna, that was in the Viva. So it was that I went with my wife, Imelda. And now there was definitely a very young crowd, to be honest with you. But I just think she's a great artist. It's very upbeat music. Um, I just think she's uh, a real icon, you know, um, for, for so many different generations. And, and her music is actually really really enjoyable to listen to um whereas you two i think they've they've done it full circle i mean they've done it all over the world and when you hear people coming from america over to dublin to the concert like that just shows how powerful they are so it's a good night out it's good fun and um, i suppose for me it's a night away from the kitchen and uh, it's just in, enjoyable and it is about who you bring with and hopefully you know it's a very difficult time for all artists they'll get back up and running sometime uh, sooner rather than later because it has been challenging for them so yeah like I'm not an expert in live gigs but I do I do enjoy it and okay. appreciate them I have to say that yeah what you are an expert at is writing cookbooks <laughs> and I'm delighted we ask every week whoever is on to nominate favourite books or authors. You're the first to nominate cookbooks, which I think is great given that you've had so much success and I know certainly in our own kitchen we have a number of your books which we use for reference. Uh, do tell us what do you look for then in a cookbook and who are your favourite books and authors? Yeah, I mean like I have hundreds again of different cookbooks but like some of them um, like an autobiography like by Raymond Blanc, you know, A Taste of My Life. Like he's a two Michelin star um, chef and he's based in Oxford. And I had the pleasure of staying there um bought my wife Imelda for her birth uh, could be maybe six seven years ago and something struck me when I went in stayed over the beautiful rooms now it is expensive it's a real treat but as soon as you entered the room they were playing kind of this kind of classical music just just set a tone it's the first time I ever stayed in a place and there was music played and I said wow that's clever I'm going to bring that little tip back to Black Lion I was a bow speaker just beautiful look low key just chilled out kind of lovely music and I said wow I really admire this guy Raymond Blanc is for me one of the greatest chefs ever because uh, he came over from France, opened up um, in the UK, was away ahead of his time and Le Manor Quest Saison is the name of his two Michelin star restaurant, has an amazing garden, an amazing restaurant. I, I'll tell you when I was really shocked at how busy it was. It wasn't that it was a quiet kind of kind of stuffy restaurant. It was a very, very busy not not a machine like that's wrong because it was beautiful experience, but I just think him as a person, I think he is one of the greatest chefs. I love his passion, I love him on TV. You just learn from him, you watch him and you say, that man loves food, you know, and I, I'm not, not even sure what age he is now, but he's always been an inspiration to me. I have so many of his cookbooks. I look at him and I think, wow, what a great man. But this book is more an autobiography, is it, rather uh, yeah. than actually yeah. guides to what he cooks. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, he has some recipes in, in, in there. And I mean, like, with with his book, it's just about the journey of opening up. Like, he, he, he nearly went broke and he had very little money. Uh, it's been a few years now since I read the book, to be honest with you. But really captured his love and passion for food, his commitment to growing and the whole ethos of, of, of seasonality, which is something that sometimes is a little bit lost in food sometimes, you know, because we can bring food from anywhere around the world. But he kind of changed his menus with 
what his gardener is growing. And I really wanted to see that. And I got inspiration. Like we have a full time gardener in Black Lion. And, you know, for us as chefs and people that we cook every day to remember how who, who grow and produce our food. They're the food heroes. That's the reality. We can't cook good food unless we have wonderful ingredients. And, and he kind of sowed a seed with me just to his passion, his love. And, 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 and that's the story through the book. Like, you know, just opening up, went from a small little restaurant then he has I think maybe 20 odd different bedrooms um, it's just it's, it's just a, an amazing experience yeah and Nevin you there, also please. have another book um, which struck me as very interesting somebody I'd never heard of um, the book is called The Perfectionist Life and Death in Ho Cuisine by Rudolf Chelminski now it's about who? Yeah, it's about, um, so it's a three-star Michelin chef, Bernard Louise, and he um, had three Michelin stars for absolutely, I think it's over 20, 30 years. And he must, he kind of might, might have been an, at a bit of a knife edge, like Michelin was his life, three stars. And his fear of losing a third star, his life was finished and he took his own life he actually shot himself so he did because there was rumours going round you know within the kind of circles of Michelin that he was going to be downgraded so he had three stars which is the highest accolade for any chef and you're at the pinnacle of your career like he was cooking classical French cuisine I never read his food by the way but I just found him a very interesting um just he was so passionate but it was his life Michelin was his life and his fear of losing it meant that you know he was going to be downgraded it was going to affect his business his world was going to fall apart so he could not cope with that and that's like a double-edged sword and that's where I think the Michelin guide were as much as I, I admire it and I, I respect it and that but you can become a slave to it and it can be your life and I think in one way it's wrong, I think so, because he was so obsessive about it. His whole marriage kind of, you know, suffered long term and that. And he just bet himself up. He was totally obsessed with customers coming in. Were they happy? His perfection, his uh, kind of like journey for constant perfection day in, day out. That was his journey. That was his life. And then very sad to take his life. And he didn't at, at the end of it, he didn't lose his third star, which is an ironic, you know, he still has it. And. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of like bittersweet. It's kind of just makes you realise that you can be so obsessive about something where it kind of takes over your life. And, you know, you need balance in your life. That's what I honestly think. So I love cooking. I love what I do. But, you know, do I want Michelin stars? Do I want, you know, I Michelin tyres in my car? I'm happy with that. You know, it's not what I... <laughs> it's, not, it's not the be-all. And the, I, I want a full restaurant with, with diners that are happy and give people an enjoyable experience. For me, that's what it's about and trying to better yourself and give given guests a great experience so those two books are very very different i know i mentioned michelin a few times but you know they are just very very um inspiring chefs and one a very sad end to an absolutely unbelievable talented chef but it just shows you what he put himself through the mill and just day in day out like michelin was his life you know and that can be you know that can be difficult i'm sure like you know there's no family life you know you're committed to that and listen you have to admire that because that's that's what he that's what he um he um for he fell in the sword is that what you'd say matt you know at the end you know but it's sad to hear but at least yeah learned from it from reading the book and got a sense of perspective we're going to move to television now which of course you do an awful lot of television do you enjoy making television compared to being in the kitchen making food well 
Matt, it's all about variety and you do the television as well as the radio and so many other. Yeah. And, and for me, it's OK. So when I do the television, um, obviously you're showing people how to cook. But I suppose my program is a little bit different and going meeting producers and going meeting fishermen and going meeting, you know, so you're learning all the time. Now, when you go, you know, whether it's to Spain or Italy, them you learn so much about different cultures and cuisines and how regional food is. I enjoy the whole aspect of it and I want to feel, I feel very relaxed. I remember my first uh, television show, I was so nervous, but, you know, I've done over 150 of my own cookery shows and with the same crew. So they know my strengths, my weaknesses. You know, there's an art interview and listening to people, to getting to feel their, their passion. And, you know, it's it's all about them at the end of the day. Like if you're, if, if you're interviewing a food producer or a chef, they're the stars there. Let's showcase them and what they're doing and be humble, be respectful, which, which, which I am. And, and just be yourself, just show people your passion and your love for food. So I think I have the best of both worlds. I still love cooking in the kitchen and being in the kitchen, but when you're doing the television, you're learning too. And that's really important to better yourself as a chef. And you can talk about all the different experiences, whether it's in Italy, Matt showing, you know, um, the audience, the viewers, uh, how, how Parmesan some cheese is made like I wouldn't have known that and I wouldn't have known prosciutto the parma you know just different ingredients balsamic vinegar the modena the aged balsamic vinegar like that's something that I was like a child in a sweet shop tasting balsamic vinegars that were 25 30 50 years old so for me it's about learning and bettering yourself and just I, I enjoy it to be honest with you and for me when I do the programs in Ireland you're showcasing the great people we have in food the great chefs we have I know it's a difficult time for each and every one of us at the minute but one thing that's going to come out of this is that more people are cooking at home Matt I honestly think so there's definitely an appetite pardon the pun to learn and uh, for me with the seafood trails we're an island why not eat more fish because it's healthy it's sustainable we're supporting Irish fishermen and they work incredibly hard Matt like when I go out in the boat I always ask the fishermen you know what's your favorite fish 90% of them say haddock to me so it's lovely to hear that and like they're the food heroes and when you see where your food is coming from you have to respect that as a chef and as a consumer I, I just think that's something unique I hope I'm not giving away too much on what's on the telly tonight <laughs> when you have your uh, sea trails at half eight on RT1 but I believe that you catch your first salmon <laughs> We call it beginner's luck, Matt, I can tell you that. And uh, I went down to Galway and it, it, Galway is the county, so we kind of do counties week by week. So uh, we go into the weir in um, in, in Galway City and um, yeah, listen, just just learning, just seeing how they fly fish. There's an incredible art in it. And, you know, it's I was a very, difficult very skill to develop. Very, I can't believe that you managed to catch a salmon on your first day fly fishing. Do you realize how long many people have to wait to actually do that if they ever do it at all? <laughs> And Matt, I have to again say it was beginner's luck. We were we were up the river a little bit and then we walked down and we just put out the rod throughout the line and within five minutes. And it was such a buzz for me because I've caught pike and different fish, but to catch a wild salmon was unique. And there's a lovely story to this too. So we caught it, I think it was about maybe... I think about seven, seven, between seven and eight pound. And we tagged it and all because they're, they're very strict, as you know, and they have to be. And it's a very unique uh, product, wild salmon. So then there's a there's a lovely uh, fisherman, one of the best in the country, Gannett Stefan is his name. He's in Galway. So he said, OK, I'm going to take that uh, salmon for you. I'm going to prepare it and I'm going to send it down to a lady in West Cork, Sally Barnes, Woodcock Smokery, an amazing lady. And she's going to smoke it for you. 
So I said, wow, would you do that for me? Okay, that's brilliant. So we got two sides of the salmon. So I said, listen, I want to give this to you, Stefan, for doing this. No, he said, we're going to raffle it off for the Irish, um, the, you know, the Coast Guard. So I said, that's perfect. And I, I give him a dinner B&B just to raise some money because these are voluntary uh, people who go out and risk their lives just uh, out in the sea. So it's a lovely story. So we've been enjoying the smoked salmon here at home, half the, half the smoked salmon, uh, my, my son Connor, um, my wife Imelda and Lucia. And it's just a lovely story of catching the salmon. I, I honestly, it was such a buzz. You'll see it tonight on the TV and to get it on camera, like that's that's like it wasn't preempt or we, we, <laughs> you we, can't we, organize that. <laughs> no, you just can't. You're actually right. And I mean, like there was one or two of the men that were fishing, like uh, on 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 the river, the, the diehards did it, the experts, and said, "Wow, we're so happy for you." To feel the love and the respect that they have for such a natural, beautiful ingredient as wild salmon, like I, I, I was really lucky to be All honest right. with you. It's, it's funny actually how you mentioned Evan, and I'm very taken by how you say, you know, that when you're going out doing your programs, that's a great opportunity for you to learn and listen, and that explains to me, I think, why you've picked Tommy Tiernan's chat show maybe as your favourite current day television. Let's hear a little bit of when he spoke to President Michael D. Higgins. Yes, it is. I'll tell you what I do, what I suppose I missed very, very much. Uh, uh, is maybe the, I could very quickly, old, old circles that I moved in before. Maybe it's just as well, some of them that I'm not moving in, but, but uh, <coughs> I'm going to have too many funerals of good friends of mine. Mm. That's sad, yeah. So, I didn't come on your show to just depress everybody. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, but you, you should help me along by saying things like uh, that's more of it or something okay. like that. But no, no, enough for that. Enough for that. Oh, jeez. Now, now, did you meet Trump? No, <laughs> I haven't had the pleasure yet. No, and I haven't played golf either. In, uh, I don't play golf. You know. No, are you the wrong There's shape? There's a disadvantage. You're the wrong shape for golf. Would you? <laughs> I beg your pardon, I mean. <laughs> Well, there you are indeed. I've seen people in worse condition than me <laughs> going out with clubs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh. <laughs> Nevin Maguire, why is that your favourite? You know, I mean, like, first of all, I mean, like, what, what a fantastic concept of a show. And it must be even more difficult now because if you listen to that clip, the engagement and the interaction and the buzz you get from the audience, the feedback, you, you, you'd know that too. And, you know, you get your energy from that. But I have to say, Tommy Tiernan, he, he, he's such a talented, um, incredible, just, well, what can I say? Just a great listener, deep thinker, all of the above, but just a very smart man. And Michael D. Higgins, he's just... He's a beautiful man. He really is. Uh, I meet him every year at Bloom. Obviously, it didn't happen last year or probably not this year. And when I meet him, he always asks, how is Melda, uh, Lucia and Connor? He remembers my twins' names. Like, And you think of all the people he meets. He's the most down-to-earth, gracious, beautiful human being. And he's funny. I mean, just listening to that clip there, you couldn't but smile. There's a there's a great sense of humour. And I remember when he was canvassing for his first term in um, to be a pre- president, uh, he came in and all he wanted was a bowl of soup and black line just in the restaurant. I wanted to give him the full, the full uh, taste <laughs> menu. No, a bowl of soup and a slice <laughs> of bread. And he sent me a sign, uh, one of, I was going to say cookbook, his, his own book, <laughs> uh, but a lovely, kind, gracious man. And again, another fantastic ambassador that we have for our country. But the show I love because I think 
he doesn't know who, who he's going to be interviewing or talking to. And I mean, like that's that has to be a challenge. I mean, like you have to be up for that and a really good listener to, to, to kind of get the story and kind of coax it out. So I think like, God, I certainly would not like that job. And well done to Tommy. Like he's made an amazing success story. He he's funny. Indeed. He's charismatic. But he's a great guy. He's just a great, wholesome guy. And he just lifts your spirits. And I think, well done to him. And again, now at the minute with no audience, like that's tough too at the same time. So fair play to him. So I really do. I really do like his show. Yeah. Let's play a clip though from one that you picked out from your childhood as a teenager. Here's a scene from Only Fools and Horses. Hey. Um, we are going to Australia. <laughs> see, see what happened? It's like Jumbo. You know Jumbo? Well, he's, he's offered me a partnership in his company, his new company. And it's going to be a real big earner. I mean, Rodney, this time next year, we will be millionaires. Right, first thing in the morning, we go up to, you know, Australia House, right, I'm signing the forms, and then, you know, we're away, we're away. I don't have any say in this. I might not want to go to Australia. Yeah, but it's too late now. Look, I've given them your word, you see. Look, I've got uh, Jumbo's. Jumbo borrowed me some of his photos. Look, I want you to have a look at them. Look, look at the beach there, look, hey, look at that. Oh, yeah, Help. look at that bird. Yeah, go on, that improves your ribs, doesn't it? Hey, Rodney, that could be us. In a little while, you know, blue skies, surfing, beach parties, all there. Hey, what do you reckon? Yeah, hey? sounds great. Yeah. So what happens is Jumbo is going to be behind the scenes, like he's going to handle all the money, like, right now. And I'm going to be the sales director. I'm going to have my executive office, you see, and, and the swivel chair and all that game. See? <laughs> so what's my job then? Oh, now, Rodney, listen, you're going to play a very vital role in the organisation. And I know, I just know that you can handle it. So what is it? Uh, listen, well, you know when all those Rolls Royces and Mercs, they come trundling off the, off the ship, what is the first thing they're going to need? Import licenses, customs clearance, all that. Yeah, I know. More important than that. Uh, Re-registering. They've got to have new, new number plates and new logbooks and all that. Yeah, what are they going to need even more than that? <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning. Nevin, <laughs> is that where you get your inspiration for running your business empire, is it? Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. This time next year, I'm going to be a millionaire. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> a priceless. Uh, you know, I have every one of the DVDs and um, I've always loved it. And e even when I was training as a chef, we used to go in and watch it after service and I'd have a cup of tea, open a bag of Maltesers, throw the bag of Maltesers into the cup of tea and eat away at them and watch it. And such innocent fun, but it's kind of, timeless classic what an amazing like just listening to that and I, I still watch the uk gold and i probably watched every episode maybe about five or six times but what a genius i mean like, you just couldn't but laugh it's just so much fun and you know the way they used to do the specials at christmas and all that there was always good humor you know and harmless fun but it was just so funny i mean like, you know the the whole writing team behind it they were just very clever people and you know del boy only one Delvoy. He's just he's just fantastic. Loved it and Trigger and all of them. Boise, the whole lot of them. Uh, just how, how could you not? Are you a fan yourself, Matt? Do you like it? I would. It's been a long time. Listen, unfortunately, <laughs> we've run out of time, and I didn't get to everything because we had "We Will Rock You" by Queen and Michael Jackson's Thriller as your favourite musicals to go to, and also you adopted for uh, Russell Crowe and Gladiator is your favourite movie. Very quickly, why is that your favourite movie? 
Ah, it's one of them. I mean, like I usually say, you know, the Shankshaw Redemption, I love that too. And, you know, uh, the Green Mile. Um, so I suppose, I think he's a great, he's, he's a great, he's a great um, actor. So he is, you know, there's lots of knives and, you know, I use a lot of knives in the kitchen and cut them up and <laughs> meat. But it's, it's, it's a great, I, I think it's a very powerful movie and it just shows you how powerful the whole Roman Empire was. And I, ju- I just love that movie. I watched it. I remember going to the cinema, seeing it and saying, wow, and I've watched it several times since. So Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure being on your show, Matt. Thank you so, so much for having I me. Thank on. you for taking the time. It's been great having you. Great choices and great stories behind them. But I'll never McGuire. The last word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM.